Good morning. Wow. You guys really gave it up during worship. Just create such an atmosphere uh, of being able to enter in. Thank you for doing that. Just such a strong sense of the Lord's presence here this morning. And I know as we're in our first week of fasting and prayer, that doesn't hurt at all. Just our hearts are open. Our minds are open. And we're just wanting so much more of the Lord. And that was so clear as we were jumping in today. Hey, next week, Father uh, Matthew Bernay will be here to speak, and I'm really excited about that. Go ahead, give it up uh, for an opportunity to uh, stretch across what, uh, in our city at least, has been, um, and, and I think not just in our city, but uh, in, the, in many, many um, corners of evangelicalism, that this, this gulf between uh, Roman, uh, Roman Catholics and I refer to myself as a Catholic. I'm not a Roman Catholic. Catholic is just a Latin word for the church and uh, the Roman church and, and uh, kind of this differentiation that we know is a real one. And so I just want to take a minute uh, to explain that I fully understand the differences between us uh, as a Roman Catholic and as a Catholic. I, I fully understand those. Um, let, let me just step back a second not fully like, um, you know, people that have, that have PhDs in this, but in, in, in terms of, I'm not unaware that we're different. I'm not unaware that the reformers, uh, with starting with Martin Luther, you know, declared against the indulgences uh, of the Catholic Church, and uh, they're drifting away from faith in Jesus Christ, and that we're saved by Christ alone. And, and I understand those things, and, and so doesn't the Catholic Church. And I don't have time to unpack that today, and, but if you do your own uh, research, um, the Vatican actually met with the Lutherans um, about 20 years ago to sit down and say, what are we protesting? And the question was around how does a person get saved? Does a person get saved through Christ alone, through faith, or does a person get saved through works? which is kind of the, one of the main contentions and difficulties uh, between us. And uh, the Pope at that time said, theologically, we believe that a person is saved by faith alone in Christ, but followed up by evidence that they do the works that shows that they are a Christian. To which the Lutherans at their, um, at their summit said, well, that's what we believe. And so there was a document signed that the Lutheran Church uh, in, in America, for sure, and I know there's many, many, many branches of it, so I don't want to mislead that every branch of the Lutheran Church did this, um, but the branch that sat down with the Vatican, and they signed off and said, we are no longer protesters. We're no longer Protestants. We will not protest against, because we agree it's in Christ alone, and it's followed up by the evidence that our life changes. Now, we're talking about a um, organization, an institution that's over 2,000 years old. We're only 20 years old as an organization. And sometimes we don't change real well. So an organization that's 2,000 years, it takes time for it to change. And one of my prayers is that uh, it becomes a place where the gospel is clearly uh, taught and, and, and experienced. And we're well aware that there are traditions that stand in, can stand in the way of that. 
Now, full stop, where I just want to make sure that you understand that that's the page I'm on. So Father Matt and I don't talk about theology because we understand each other's. We understand those differences. And my goal is not to get him to be more like us, and his goal is not to get us to be more like him. What we've decided to do is to celebrate what we hold in common, that we believe in God the Father and God the Son, the Holy Spirit powerful, the, 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 the spiritual gifts, the impartation of, of tongues and healing, and, and these are things we do not disagree on. When we set out to plant harvest, there just seemed to be a door that opened because of the purchasing of this church, and it would not have been possible would not have been possible without now Bishop Paul Andre de Roche, who was uh, acting bishop here. Uh, we, our diocese was Cornwall only. It is now in Alexandria. It has now uh, been gobbled up by Ottawa. Um, but it would not have been possible. As I sat with him, uh, somebody here from Harvest knew him from high school and opened the door, and I had a dinner with him in their home, and we began to talk, and there was that same kinship uh, with Father Andre de Roche, and he spoke here, uh, and for some of you that were here, I mean, he is, he is an amazing, anointed speaker in the Word of God, and he spoke, he spoke for um, almost an hour and captivated us, and his topic was, uh, as, he, as he spoke, he, he'd asked me, what do you want me to preach on, and I said, I trust you, you preach on whatever you want. He goes, wow, you're brave. And I said, no, I trust you. I trust the Holy Spirit in you. And uh, I had been doing a series on the kingdom. And so he, st he stood up, he goes, um, he'd, he'd gone back on our, in our archives online and listened. And uh, he said, um, he, he, he ministered from the verse that the kingdom of God uh, is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he brought it home. <laughs> it was awesome. And so Father Matt's going to come, and we're doing this, I believe, something in the atmosphere for 2023 will change again, um, as we've done this before, but um, unfortunately, uh, Paul and Roche moved on, and so our friendship wasn't able to continue because of proximity. So Father Matt and I meet monthly, uh, and uh, we spend uh, a couple of hours together. Um, we, we are great friends. Uh, I love him dearly. I love his fervor for the Lord. I love hearing the stories of how his heart is to see people changed by the power of the gospel. And this is a risk for him to come. It's a risk for us to receive him, not here, but if you have evangelical friends, they may kick the dust up a little bit with you. And don't try to defend it. Don't try to, I just wouldn't do that because uh, people that come from a fundamentalist background read in the revelations that in the last days there will be a great, uh, the verses there, that there is a great uh, deception uh, that will come from the whore of Babylon. And that's the phrase in the old King James language. It's a really kind of scary phrase. Well, fundamentalists for years have attached that to the Catholic Church, that the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon. Have you ever heard that phrase? Pretend you've never heard it. Um, it, does not, it does not apply there whatsoever. That is, yeah, I, I, I want to be careful because I have a word I need to preach today. And, and I just think it's important, though, that you understand what's happening. And so I don't believe that. I'll just submit this to you. Um, but I believe as part of the great, uh, the great revival of the end days, 
I believe we are going to see, not Catholics streaming out of the Catholic Church. Um, And there was a bit of that during the Catholic renewal and charismatic movement of the 60s. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to stream into and just help them dissect between 2,000 years of tradition and what it was built on as Peter, as they understand apostolic succession and Peter being the rock that the church was built on, I just think we're going to, and I don't want to prophesy in the sense of what it's going to look like, because I don't think any of us knows what it's going to look like. I just think God's going to have his way among a people who pray every day. Many, many who are devout will pray every day, go to the scriptures every day, and um, when in Acts, they were trying to figure out, the Jews were trying to figure out the Gentiles and trying to figure out, are they really saved? And so the, the apostles came back and go, um, they worship, they speak in tongues, and they do everything we do. I'll leave it up to you. And it was hard for the Jewish people to accept because they were like, but they were so far, you know, so far away. The Gentiles were just so far away from God. Yeah, but now they're close. So I don't know what it's going to look like. So let's just, we're not, we're not trying to pull each other. This is not ecumenicalism. We're not just having, we're going, we're going all out. Like he, he is a little nervous. He's never done a whole 30 minutes of speaking. He goes, Roy, the longest homily I've ever done is 15 minutes. I go, get your two best. Put them together. It's like a series. <laughs> we're going to welcome him. You're going to love him. Many of you already know because he has such a, he has a real shepherd's heart. He loves people. Just really, really loves people. So, we're not trying to, you know, say that all of, you know, we're the one, you know, the, the end time, one true church. It's got nothing to do with all that conspiracy nonsense. This is two guys that love each other. One guy's Roman Catholic, one guy's Catholic, and he's taking the risk because he's already been warned uh, by the powers that be. Ooh, Father Matt, be very, very careful because fun, the, the people who are most against this gulf being shrunk are the fundamental Catholics, and they have them there too. And are the fundamental Christians that are adhering to their traditions so tight that they can't let go of them. So enough said. It's going to be fun. It's just going to be super fun. Um, yeah. Bring a friend. I think half of his parish is going to show up. I kind of hope they will. <laughs> I kind of hope they will. Uh, interesting that Father uh, uh, Lebrun is um, filling in for him. He's a former priest here This when this was a parish. And he and I have toured this building. And um, he said... Uh, he said, we used to hold charismatic meetings downstairs and speak in tongues. And I said, I, I think we could still feel it here. And uh, we were in um, that room over there. This is a number of years ago now. I said, Father LeBron, would you pray for me? Would you just pray for me? I just feel like you should pray for me. And he laid hands on me and began to pray. I thought, I, my knees buckled. I thought it was everything I could do not to, just the weight of the glory of God that was being imparted. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it all. Can I just say that? I don't understand all that. I don't. But let's just grab onto something that the Holy Spirit is doing. We're big boys and girls. We know how to eat the meat, spit out the bones, and we're going to have a good time. All right. Um, yeah, Father LeBron's filling in for him. I just think that's cool. Um, the week after does begin our conference, 
and uh, this is, uh, we haven't used um, uh, the phrase, let them hear God speaking to us, but this will be uh, Friday, Saturday, um, uh, Friday night and Saturday night, there will be public prophetic ministry. And I haven't taken the time to really kind of, it's been a while since we've done that here and taken the time to lay kind of a foundation of teaching for that. Um, and so if that's new for you, uh, I ask you just to come with an open mind. For those of us that understand, we are so excited about that. We will be prophetically ministering over uh, some new leaders and some leaders that have been uh, here in the house for a while, uh, just believing God for a strong prophetic, I'm going to talk about that this morning, push of this house uh, into um, into uh, the next decade. And I think, it, I really believe it's beginning uh, uh, in these days. And so uh, the pastors that are coming, as Christina alluded, they are friends. They're family. These are the churches that we work most closely together, and they all happen to be very, very powerful prophets. Um, and Pastor, uh, Pastor Frank, an apostle. We don't use those terms because we don't think they're important. So we don't say Apostle Frank or Prophet uh, Lewis and, and Prophet Cam. Um, we don't use those terms because we don't think they're that important. You'll see the function uh, when they're here and they're ministering over people. Tonight we have a prayer meeting. I want to invite everybody to come. We will be having communion together um, and having the emblems and celebrating uh, our, our own unity in our own house and our own uh, gathering around the table as well as worshiping and praying. All right, let's jump in. I do want to unload this this morning. Uh, really, my second installment of Let Them Hear. Uh, and uh, if you weren't here last Sunday evening, um, I did kind of treat it like a Sunday morning. And so it's available online. I would really encourage you, if you haven't heard that word of why we fast and pray, in order to disconnect from the world and to connect to Jesus, the two things that Jesus identified as detrimental is when uh, unbelief starts to come in, lack of faith starts to come in because the world's system and thinking has gotten a hold of our minds and our hearts and our spirits. And so these are 21 days of breaking that through fasting and prayer uh, and just getting in tune with the spirit. And so I would encourage you to do that and uh, uh, kind of kick things off. All right, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. God is speaking. Harvest, I believe we're listening. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the great things that you're doing this month of January. Uh, just very busy. And yet I think it's a good busy as we've set time aside, Lord, to uh, be busy differently to hear your voice, Lord, to understand each of our own callings in you. Uh, Lord, as we'll hear them prophetically confirm, uh, and some publicly, people that we know, and we're gonna hear the word of the Lord come and bless them and, and confirm what we know about their lives. We just thank you for that. Uh, thank you for what you wanna share with us today in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. I wanna look at... Um, Abraham and Sarah, Abram and Sarai, in the portion of Scripture we're going to look at, when the Lord meets them in their land and calls them to something beautiful, calls them on a journey, and that journey, because of their obedience, would affect us in this room today, that the Abrahamic blessing, the Abrahamic promise is ours today because a man and a woman decided to follow Jesus. We understand they're ordinary like you and I. 
were they're just ordinary. They were ordinary, a man and a woman, a, a husband and a wife, a family. But they heeded the word of the Lord. God's word came to them and they obeyed it. And the ripple effect of blessing to them and to the world, we, we can't even measure it. Even, even the Muslim world understands who Abraham is and Sarah was. Um, Abraham and Sarah were. And so, and so I want you to think about that they were ordinary and God did an extraordinary thing with their life. And God wants to do an extraordinary thing with your life and with my life and our life corporately and with this, this church that uh, as we enter into our 20th year, March will, March uh, 29th will, will mark our 20th birthday. And I think it's significant as we step into our 20th year that God wants to renew in us the word of the Lord. He wants to renew in us that when we heed and our, our unequivocal equivocal yes to God and what God is speaking to our lives, that the people of this region have already been blessed, and yet that blessing God wants to increase. So blessing to us, blessing to those we minister to. At Harvest, we say this way, we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom from yesterday. We want you to discover that God has created you with a purpose, but now take hold of your purpose and see the kingdom of God expanded through your life, through your marriages, through your family. If you're a single today, yes, that includes you. And Paul taught even in a greater measure. So now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amazing that in you and in, in myself this morning lies the potential for all the families of Cornwall to be blessed if we'll heed what God is speaking to us. Abraham and Sarah were definitely in a season of let them hear. And I don't think we live in a consistent, uh, we always hear God, his sheep were led by him, but I believe there are significant seasons when the landscape's about to change, when a portal is about to open, that God wants his people to go through. He wants them to change course, to begin to move into something new. And, and, and in the new year, we want to be careful that, you know, each new year we celebrate, we have this sense of God wants to do something new, and, and I think we should do that. And I don't want to overplay this this morning, but I am submitting to you in our 20th year, I believe that this is the beginning of the landscape beginning to adjust and change for God to do more. Say more. We've enjoyed a lot, but God wants to do more. And this is a let them hear season. It was a season for Abraham and Sarah who were just hanging out, doing what they were doing, and the word of the Lord came to them. Now, that phrase throughout the Old Testament, you know, we say the word of the Lord came to Abraham and Sarah. That phrase in the Old Testament is the debar of the Lord. Like if I could say it that way, the Hebrew word is debar. If I could just make it easier, because we don't speak Hebrew, to say the debar of the Lord. And that word literally means to come in from behind, put pressure all around you, and push you into the new season that God has for you. Because often we don't like change. Often we are a little nervous about what we don't know about or understand. 
And yet the word of the Lord comes and we're to move in faith. If we want to be like Abraham, there's a faith element where we're trusting God with our future. And, and there's a sense in all of us that we don't want same old, same old. But what's new is beyond door number one and we're not sure what's there. And so the debar of the Lord, the word of the Lord comes to push. And that push is not just in us, but in circumstances and things that are going on in our life, that God's word, let it be, and the lights came on in creation. Let there be, and there was. And that God wants to speak a creative, powerful word over, word over your lives and over this house. I think we're in that season. Now, in order to get all that we can out of a season like this, to hear with clarity and receive the debar of the Lord, we need to understand some things and do some things. Say do. There's some doing involved. Before God does what he does, he wants us to do some things in faith. Number one, from the principles of Abram and Sarah, he asked Abram and Sarah to leave some things behind. Number one, are you willing in this season to leave some things behind? Now, I talked about this last Sunday night, about how to, during fasting and prayer, discover the things that God wants you to leave behind. Leave things behind from past seasons in order to move into your new season. God said to Abraham, get out of your country, your family, your father's house. In order to walk into our new season, we have to have new thinking. Old thinking doesn't go into the new season because like the wineskin illustration, the wineskin for the new wine has to stretch. And so we're, we're open and we're believing and we're, we're hearing from God. And we've got to make room for the new. You can't just attach uh, uh, something when we're in a significant season. Just attach to what you're doing now. What's happening now has got to make room for what God's going to do. So that means you've got to be willing to get rid of some of the old. Now, most of you have heard our story, Christina and I, of uh, the journey to planting harvest 20 years ago. And we share it in um, step one. And, uh, and we don't often talk about that it really began uh, 12 years before we, um, excuse me, uh, so 20 years ago as we, we planted, but really it was like 15 years even before that that God began to put the seeds and the thoughts in our heart in a way that we didn't understand, but he was preparing. I was a youth pastor in Brockville at a church there, and Christine and I came into a very, very definite let them hear season. And uh, it, it seemed like as we were uh, coming into environments that were conducive to the word of the Lord, people, people were prophesying over us every chance they got. And that was new to us. We were not, we had not seen it. We had not experienced it. It was very new to us. In fact, I was kind of questioning it like, what is this? Like Christian fortune telling or something? What is this? And uh, it, was, it, was, it was just something we hadn't experienced and yet it was happening. And it wasn't an ordinary season. As I say, it was, it was a, as I'm talking, a let them hear. A time where God was saying, you're about to change course. You're about uh, to, to do uh, uh, something in the will of God. You, I won't, you won't understand it, but I need your yes. Say yes. You say it again. And sometimes our yes to God, it has to be an unconditional yes as part of the faith. God would open the door for us to cross the border into upstate New York. And I would go on staff at New Testament Church as a school principal principal. I wasn't preaching. I wasn't pastoring. I was educating, something I'd never done before. My degree made room for that, 
Uh, but I wasn't ready. This was something new. In fact, not only was it something new, in the natural, it was something contrary to what I believe God had for my life. I wanted to preach. I wanted to pastor. I wanted to plant a church. Those things were in my heart as a mid-25-year-old. Um, and we had grown up in a denomination uh, together, and uh, we were trained and ordained for ministry in that denomination. And now God would call us out of that denomination, literally, literally out of our country, um, and he would take us to a place that culturally church life was completely different for us. Um, the USA is a very different place in Canada, and so we were, we were in culture shock in a lot of different ways. But there was a yes in our spirit, and this morning I wish I could unpack all the details of how, but as we were getting ready and we felt that, you know, being a, a school principal like that, again, in the natural, it was like, no, I'm a preacher. I want to plant churches. I don't want to go be a school principal, and yet the Lord was speaking, the bar of the Lord was pushing in that direction, and he was looking for our yes before actually moving from Brockville and that door opening uh, in, in, uh, to get into upstate New York and get our green card and all those things to happen. There were a lot of details. We were in a meeting in Montreal. I was actually there alone in a meeting in Montreal. And, um, and there was a gentleman there that uh, was a prophetic uh, uh, ministry. And he picked me out of that meeting of about 200 people. And he said, you're going over to the other side. You're going over the water. You're going to cross the water. And he starts to prophesy with that kind of clarity. He said, now that's not going to happen for a bit. You need to separate yourself and begin to pray. And the word of knowledge was strong. The perfect, the, the bar of the Lord. I remember sitting there like shaking that day, thinking, how, how could this be so accurate? And we, it was a one-year process. And then God just began the word, that creative word of the Lord, opened the border, opened the green card, opened the immigration, opened all of the things that were impossible to do, except God said, I'm making it possible because in the heart of God, there was a church to be planted in Cornwall, Ontario, so that a region could be impacted. We're just ordinary people, but we said yes. In our feeble attempts, we said yes to God, and we're here today. And I believe now God wants to, he has been multiplying over these years, people's yeses, but we are at a crossroad right now. The debar of the Lord is coming to those of us that call this our home church, that call this, this is where I am, that you're not just attending a church on Sunday, you're attending a place where God is saying, I want to breathe on this region, I want to breathe on this nation, I need some people who can say yes, I need some people that will hear the word of the Lord and be challenged and begin to go in one direction, even though you thought you were going in this direction, and you would say, God, you've got my yes, if it means seeing people touched for the Lord. So we, we literally did the things like Abram and Sarah and became a part of a different church network, and, and it was difficult, really, it was difficult at first, and now um, even the families, uh, the other family, the, our family churches, uh, you'll, um, some of you will meet them for the first time and others will enjoy having uh, these great ministries with us uh, in a couple of weeks. And like Abram, it was, I will show you. <laughs> I will show you. And so God wasn't like, I'll show it to you now. It was, one day you'll look back and go, oh, now I understand. And that's the faith of walking with God. 
Our obedience to the debar of the Lord has been a blessing to us personally, a blessing, I think, already, but imagine now, as you add yours to the many people over these 20 years at Harvest that have done that already. I want to illustrate this principle that we learned, because I, um, as we learned it, I want you to learn it, um, and I want to look at another story today of practically how this kind of works, um, of how do we leave some past things behind? What is it God might be challenging you with of leaving the past behind? And I want to look at a story that we refer to in the New Testament as the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler. This man had it all. He had youth. He had position. And he had money. Say money. I want to say from the onslaught of looking at the story that the story has nothing to do with money. Zero to do with money. It has to do with making room in your life to follow Jesus in a way that here on this earth that you experience something so powerful. And so the rich young ruler had youth on his side. He had influence and power and he had money. God is not against rich people getting saved. And he's not, a, he's not afraid of saved people getting rich. He just wants to make sure that there's room in our life to hear the word of the Lord so that we can be obedient with what he's given us. And so this man comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, um, there's something missing in my life. People would say, I have it all. But there's something missing in my life. And Jesus said, well, have you ever considered following the teachings of the Bible? He said, I've been doing that since I was a kid. When Jesus heard this, when Jesus heard this, and Jesus heard more than what was being spoken. He heard a man's heart longing for something more, longing for something more. Already had tried to find the answer in the Word of God, but he hadn't connected it. it was, he was religious. He was following rules. He hadn't attached his life to Jesus. He hadn't, he, hasn't, he hadn't listened to the Word of the Lord come to his life and say, I will follow, Master, wherever you take me. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus offers him a lifestyle of true riches. He offered him a life that would be so rich this man couldn't even imagine it. A life so full of blessing. A life that would include more than just earthly riches, but the riches of the kingdom. Knowing that my life counts for something. Knowing that others would be touched. Knowing that God would be blessing me personally. All of the blessing that Abraham enjoyed. He's now offering that same journey to this rich young ruler. To go on this incredible journey to follow Jesus. And he said no. He said no because he couldn't make room in his life. His life was rich. It was full. And yet he was so empty. And he couldn't neg negotiate or navigate in his own mind, soul, spirit that to, I have to give up to receive. And he wanted, Jesus, Jesus was asking him uh, to make a lot of space that meant Jesus was ready to give him a lot of blessing. God's not a taking God. He's a God that's saying, I need you to make room for the blessing that's coming. I, need, I don't want the wineskin to be burst so that we lose everything. It was about 
His becoming a new creation. His not just, rich young ruler, not just adding a Jesus moment onto all of what he already had, but to enter into a life that was empty to everything else and full to the things of God. So the disciples, he says no and walks away and Jesus responds to his disciples and he said, uh, he looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich, not rich in money, rich with a life that seemingly I'm rich, I'm full. Remember the, the words of the Leosid, was it the Leosidians that uh, you are rich with and yet, yet you are neither, you're, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. Why? Because their lives were full, full, say full. Lives were full, maybe not content, but full. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So the eye of the needle is a doorway uh, into the city. And uh, I think we have a picture. Do we have that picture of the camel train? Yeah. So the eye of the needle is a very small door in the, in, when the, if you showed up, this is the transport system, um, the logistics system. This is the SCM of Bible days right here. And, uh, and so uh, the supply chain into the city of Jerusalem would come exactly as we're seeing. And if you came in after hours, your transport truck and trailers uh, weren't allowed in the city because they, were, they couldn't leave the city gates open for security reasons. There was gates around the city for a reason. That's how they protected themselves. So if you came in after hours, you would have to go through the eye of the needle, which was an archway, several archways, uh, doorways into the city that a camel standing up couldn't walk through. A camel would have to get down and kneel and through a kneeling motion, uh, walk through, um, through into the city gate. They also wouldn't fit with all these packs. And so uh, the eye of the needle and the illustration that Jesus is using is that the uh, supply chain, if they came in after hours, would be forced to do an inventory of everything they had because they would have to hand bomb all of this off the camels, get the camel through the eye of the needle, and then hand bomb everything in. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if in that process there was some stuff. Why would we bring this? What the heck? We don't need this and leave it outside the city gates. And I don't care if the robbers take that. But this is going in. This isn't going in. This is going in. Where you strategically take an inventory of everything you are carrying that you're rich with in your life. Jesus said, it's, just, it's difficult for those that are, if we're, it's harder if you, are, if you have more stuff in your life. He didn't say it was impossible because they asked him, well, who can get saved? Who can go on this adventure? Oh, Jesus goes, anybody can. With, with, with men, it's impossible. With God, with God, all things are possible. So he wasn't talking about who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. He's saying, in, in, as we get saved and we go on this journey, know God, find freedom, discover, and make a difference. In order to hear God, he's saying, it's difficult for everybody. God does the miracle, but you're going to have to do the inventory. And this is the season, I believe, that God is asking, what do we leave behind? I want to mention a couple. COVID took so much from us. 
But one of the things it gave us, and hear me, because this is going to have to be dealt with not only here, but all across um, churches everywhere. COVID gave us the one thing that we had been complaining we didn't have forever. We didn't have enough. We didn't have enough time. We were sitting at home during lockdown with more time than we knew what to do with. And if you weren't working from home, if you were forced to shut down, then you had eight hours a day that you were normally working. You now had time to watch Netflix. You now had time to do whatever. And the, the most precious commodity that we can be rich with, COVID somehow gave us this mindset that now you can have all the time in the world. And speaking for my, myself, I filled it. And I filled my life with a lot of things that are good things. The rich young ruler, there was nothing wrong with what he had filled his life with. It was wrong in the sense it was, to, it was a placeholder for something better. And I believe as we get busy in the house of God, it will require, it does, it, does, it just does require time. And so you may be looking at the meetings coming up and go, wow, I mean, for some, it's, it's, it's Friday night, it's Saturday morning, because we're doing some leadership stuff, and then Saturday night, and then Sunday morning. And some people are looking at going, wow, that's a lot of church. Do we have to do that much church? Can't we just do a good job with it Sunday morning? That would be, let's just do that. No, we're putting, we're breaking some things to realize God wants us to take time for him and to make space because time is a precious commodity. And I'm just challenging us. Some of us have to leave behind that now that we have, we've been enjoying all of this time. And I want to just encourage those that are watching online today. And, and I love that some of you are new to the whole concept of church. And we are going to continue doing online church because we love that you're finding Jesus. But I want to talk to somebody today that if this is just about it's more convenient and you can save some time by being home and not being a part of the house of God, I'd like you to pray about that and meet us in the room. Join us as part of the a dream team and let's believe God for the future of what God has for this region. God's going to be dealing with some time concepts and how we're filling our time. And I'm going to leave that with you. There's some bad things that we need to leave behind. Unforgiveness, disappointment, disillusionment, relationships that are influencing us in ways that it's just not a good influence. I've already heard some that, you know, have decided to separate themselves from, from things and fast and that they were taking heat for that from, from friends and family. Friends and family that were just going, well, ask stupid. What's wrong with X, Y, and Z? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. I just want to separate myself and fast under the Lord and get some clarity about some things. See, there are voices that are not going to encourage you in the things of God. That doesn't mean you have to break up with them or you know, not be friends with them anymore. But maybe you have to leave their counsel behind. 
Maybe you're new to uh, life in the Spirit and a Spirit-filled kind of environment. You come from a, an environment, a church that maybe said those things weren't for today. And there's been some challenge inside just to really move into, you know, expressive praise and worship. Part of you is like, wow, it's so powerful. And part of you is like, but I was taught that that's just excessive and that's just emotionalism. You have to choose. You must choose now. What are you leaving behind? Leave a teaching that says that's excessive and do you want, do you want to have all that the Spirit has for you? Or do you want to stay back in the old looking through the portal while others enjoy the new? These are the kinds of things that I believe that God will speak. So we're doing an inventory what get left behind. Number two, and don't get afraid that this is only number two. My son Seth always goes, you always spend a lot of time on number one and then bang, bang, number two and three. I go, it's designed that way, son. <laughs> number two, what do you need to hear from God? What do you need to hear from God in these 21 days and the days ahead? What do you need to hear from God? What do you need to hear from God? What do you need to hear from God? It's a trick, it's a trick question. Because you don't know. You don't know. Many of us come into seasons like this and we know what we want to hear from God. Have you ever done this? I've done it. I've done it in my marriage, done it with people. You're working through some things, you're trying to get direction in a relationship, and you sit down and you, you ask a series of questions either to your significant other or the, maybe a, a coworker or a boss. You're trying to work some stuff out, you're trying to get clarity, and, and so you're asking questions, but in your own heart and mind, there's a specific answer you want from the person. You're hoping they're gonna agree with you. They're ho you're hoping that they're gonna see it just like you see it. Any husbands and wives figured out that your spouse doesn't always see it just like you see it? And part of the argumentativeness that results from that is because they're telling you exactly, but you're hearing it exactly wrong through a context of receptivity that wants them to say it the way you want them to say it. And then you work it all through and you go, that's what you said? That's what I said. I didn't hear that. You're tracking with me, right? And so what do we need to hear from God? God knows. It's a trick question. Some of us need a word of instruction. God needs to instruct us. Help us understand some things. Others, very honestly, we need, I'll put myself with all of us, we need a word of correction. Because we're going in a direction, and had I in the natural seen the opportunity to go over to upstate New York, if I had seen that as an opportunity, if I looked at that and go, no, that's not a pathway into full-time ministry and church planting. And yet it was the most powerful pathway into ministry and church planting. But from my paradigm, from the denomination that I came out of, and all of my denominational friends go, what are you doing? We're all doing the stuff and you're a principal? You're wasting time. What are you doing? You should get involved. Come back to Canada. Lots of opportunities. And don't think there were days I didn't think about that. And yet God said, if you will trust me, this is the fastest pathway to the church I want you to plant that he already foresaw was in his heart. The one I desire too, but couldn't see yet 
but he would show me. So what is it that God might be wanting to speak and correct? Because you're on a course and you're so convinced this is the direction I need to go in. And God's going, no, it's not. I want to take you this way because this way is a walk of faith. Oh, the pathway will converge. You, you're not seeing it wrong. You're just not seeing the map properly. Some of us need a promise to hold on to. And in this moment, God wants to give you a promise that you will hold on to. It might be for a day. It might be for a week. It might be for a month. And then those days, God gave Christine and I promises that we're holding on to this day. When my children were all gathered around us in church with us, we were in a prophetic meeting just like we're going to have. The prophets were ministering over Christina and I. And one of the prophets began the prophesying and go, the children that I've given you, I make covenant with you. And he was speaking to Christina. I make covenant with you, a woman of God, that you will not lose one of them, that they will serve me, they will fulfill the call. Now, just before, just before you applaud, when your kids are 11 and all the way down to a baby, whatever their ages were at that time, you go, why, why? Big deal. That's a big deal word from the Lord. Because we were very idealistic. We were raising our kids to love Jesus. Nothing. What could go wrong? Oh, God. And way back then, in a, the bar season of the Lord, when God knew what the future would hold, he put a promise in our hand. We've covenanted with each other in this season. Every morning we get up and we have our coffee together and we hold the promise of God before him and go, God, you promised. And you're not a man that you should lie. God, you gave us a promise and we're holding on to it, believing you for what you have spoken. You see, often we need the promise of the Lord to get us through the difficult times. Why does God give us a promise when we don't? Well, why would I need to hear about perfect health? Because there might be a moment when our health isn't perfect and we hold on to the promise and say, the promise wasn't that you wouldn't have, it was that you will have. And so God puts a promise in your heart that you can get through the difficult time. Some of you will get a promise from God that will sustain you for the years ahead. Number three, what's on the other side of your yes? Many that are here today, the scaffolding of this house, the strength of this house, many of you have already over these years given your yes. You've given your yes. You just pushed it all in and go, of course, God, you have my yes. What's on the other side of yes? Peter began to speak up. This was the rich young ruler again, the story there. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. <laughs> we, we pushed it all in. I mean, our, my, my parents think I'm an idiot. <laughs> my family and friends thought I was nuts to go to Harvest Christian Fellowship. They, they, they think we're crazy, Jesus. It's hard. Jesus, do you know how hard it is to have Christmas? And then they start poking fun and going, oh, is that oil fasting and praying? Woo, that's weird. Yeah? We've given it up, Jesus. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you, let's stand to your feet this morning. I'll finish reading this scripture. Let's stand together and I'll finish reading this. I assure you. I assure you. Hear the assurance of the Lord this morning. I assure you 
that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake, for the good news, will receive it now. Somebody say now. The rich young ruler didn't know that he was just letting go of one thing so he could take hold of a hundred times what he had. Right now, he says, right now, uh, uh, you will receive and return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. In other words, he's not saying this is lollipops and roses, but there is blessing in the here and now as well as living in a world that doesn't work the way God wants it to yet. And in the world to come, you will have eternal life. The promise is released after we leave it behind. It's released when we take the inventory. It's released when we say, God, speak what I need to hear. It's released when you step into the yes and actually walk it out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for this church as we enter in. We're already in this first week. We are entering in <laughs> to an amazing, let them hear season. Holy Spirit, I ask you that there be no hindrances. Lord, we have ears. We have ears. You said, let those who have ears, let them hear. Lord, we're coming before you humbly saying we want to hear you. In fact, we need to hear you. And I don't know what I even need to hear in these days, Lord. But I am willing to say that whatever I hear, Lord, I will say yes. I will say yes. And all across this room, give God your yes right now. Practice saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Practice saying yes, yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit. For some, it's baby steps first. If you're new to the Lord, he might ask you to do something that... Just you, you say yes and do it and begin to watch the blessing of God. Many of us have experienced that. But I believe corporately we're about to walk through into a, this season, this season of time from the 20th year. And, and I just feel it's to year 30 from 20, this next decade. We're getting it right now to receive the full blessing that our children will have in 10 years from now. Now, that doesn't mean we're waiting for 10. I think this is a, a continuum, a, a Holy Spirit continuum that's going to, but we, we're the ones right now that are holding the door handle. Will we go through? Will we go through? Will we go through this door into something new? All across this room, Lord, some are already knowing what they need to leave behind. Some are already negotiating with you. And Lord, I pray the negotiations stop and there would just be an all in. Yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. Push the chips of your life. Put them all in. Put them all in. Don't hold anything back from the Holy Spirit. And he won't hold anything back from you. Just as we're thinking about those things, I want to ask a question. Is there anyone in the room today that you've never made a decision to say yes to salvation? Yes to the gift of Jesus on the cross for your sins. God so loved the world, but it becomes personal and it becomes individual as he calls your name. And I believe today he could be calling your name to say, come walk with me. Come follow me. Come follow me. What you have to leave behind is a life that was your compass was sin. Your, your compass was your own way. You were in the driver's seat. Today, would you allow Jesus to come into your life, forgive your sin, become the driver of your life, the most exciting days. If that's you today, if you're online, text, I'm making a decision for Jesus today. If you're here in the room, simply lift your hand so I can see it. I want to acknowledge it. Then I want to pray with you. You're saying today, 
I'm bringing Jesus into my life. Can I, can I see? Is there anyone today? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? And there may be hands. Go ahead and thank those uh, online in faith. We can't see them. And gentlemen's here. And Harvest, we know what to do. Let's pray this prayer of invitation to the Lord. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Today I choose to be a new creation. Come into my life. I receive the new life in you. I am forgiven and I am blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we believe you're born again and you are on your journey to heaven, but on a journey here into a most fulfilled life. Harvest, we're going to sing this last song and then uh, you'll be dismissed. Uh, I just, my prayers are mixed with your prayers. I hope today that you've been stirred just to begin to realize of how crucial these days are. Don't be afraid of them. It's not a, a nervous, like scared, oh my gosh. You can't get it wrong. If your heart is open, if you want to obey the Lord, you can't get it wrong. God bless you. Have an amazing week. I'll see you tonight for those who can make it for our prayer and communion service.
to end services when we get to this point, but guess what? We have more this evening. So if you are hungry and you want more of this, come tonight at 6 p.m. It's gonna be awesome. But we love you, church. Have an awesome day. See you soon.